Well, I think that the Lord's trying to call us to volunteer, amen? We need those good songs that get us all excited about the things of the Lord. And I pray tonight that we have a heart that's uh, excited about the things of God. Take your Bibles tonight, and we're going to look at two portions of Scripture. You can put a little marker in these two. Hebrews chapter number 5, and then Mark chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 5, we're going to start there, Hebrews chapter 5. And then there's going to be a spot there in Mark chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 11, down to verse number 14. Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 11. Apostle Paul is speaking here and says, Of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when for the time you were... You ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of a full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now turn to Mark chapter number 8. Mark chapter 8. We're going to read verse number 14 down to verse 21. Mark chapter 8, verse 14 down to verse number 21. It says, Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of, of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, why reason ye, because ye have no bread? Perceive, uh, perceive ye not yet, neither understand? Have ye, uh, have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not? And having ears, hear ye not? And do ye not remember? When I break the bread, of, or when I break the five loaves among the five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? They say unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among the four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, Seven. And he said unto them, How is it that ye do not understand? Let's pray. Father, we come tonight, and Lord, how we need to understand. And Lord, we know that you can open our hearts and our understanding, our eyes, to the word of truth. Lord, I thank you tonight for this opportunity to meet with your your. Uh, children to worship you and to love you and father today i pray that you'd open this our time in your word and lord give us your uh, your thoughts may your spirit uh, guide us and teach us lord the things that that we need to know so that we can be strong and christians that are bold in our witness and lord that we would just love you with all of our heart and uh, lord that there would be uh, a surrender to all that you have for us we thank you tonight and we just give you all the praise in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If I were to ask you tonight, which of the organs of your body require the most energy? What would you say? I got one right here. Your heart. Anybody else? The brain. There you, boy, you, poked, you got looked at my messages, my message, didn't you? 
You know, the, the first two obvious ones would be the heart and the brain. If our, brain, if our heart doesn't work right, you know, it gives blood to everything in our brain. But it's interesting. According to uh, Houston Post, they had, a, they had a survey or they had some information there on July 18, 1994. The inner ear demands the most bodily energy. Your inner ear demands the most energy. Attentive listening can be a draining experience. Have you ever found that to be true? When you're listening to somebody, it can, be, it can drain you. You say, man, why am I so... That's why ladies get so drained. You know, when they speak 25,000 words a day, they can get, guys in 10,000 words, we're done, right? Isn't that how it works? Well, some, for some, okay? But, you know, um, God made the ears... Uh, with the necessary power to carry out that important task of listening. Eight-year-old Brian went with his grandpa to have their car inspected, and grandpa was having problems hearing. And so he asked the attendant several times when he was asking him to do certain things, and so grandpa said, huh, what, can you tell me that again? Can you say that again? Well, after they got done, grandpa, as they were getting ready to drive out, grandpa said, well, Brian... We passed the inspection, and Brian, his grandson, said, yes, we passed everything but the hearing test. <laughs> you know, God has given us some wonderful parts to this body. He's given us eyes that we might be able to see the beauty. And here in uh, Montana, beautiful all around uh, this area, the, the beautiful mountains. And, you know, the other day we were out here and we saw the elk and, you know, 40, 50 head of elk out here. And, and people are saying, wow, isn't that amazing? We see that all the time. You know, God has blessed us. I like watching the eagles, you know, the bald eagles and how beautiful that is. We have a nose to smell. You know, now there's some places in Missoula, when you're going over there by, uh, you know, by uh, Walmart, by Walmart, when you cross it over there, there's a smell you can smell, and it just, it's not coming from Walmart. It's the, set, it's the sewage treatment plant over there. Uh, you can smell some things that are not good. You can smell things that are good. You know, God's given us hands to be able to touch and a mouth to taste and, and ears to hear. Uh, we take for granted those things that God's given to us until they start to decay or they stop, start uh, not to function the way that they should. For example, with our sight, when our sight is not quite what it ought to be, all of a sudden now we have to start wearing contacts and at an early age, I had to start wearing glasses because I couldn't see the blackboard. And if I wanted to see the blackboard, I had to put my glasses on. So uh, praise the Lord for that. Now, you know, you all look about the same when I take my glasses off now. Just a blur out there. But praise the Lord for glasses. And, and you know, uh, we can have corrected surgery. Uh, with our sense of touch, sometimes we can't feel things like we used to feel. Sometimes when we're uh, folk that are working in, in things that uh, burn off the, uh, the tips of their fingers and stuff like that because they're working in uh, acids and things like that. They can't feel those things. Uh, that sense of hearing, as you know, sometimes when you, those, high, those high pitches and the low pitches don't work quite like they used to. And so then we get hearing aids to be able to help us with that. But spiritually speaking, it is important that we have use of all of our spiritual senses in order to discern correctly the word of God. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 12, verse, down through verse number 14, Jesus, talking about the disciples, said that they were blind leaders of the blind. Turn back to Matthew chapter 5, verse number 12. They, they were people who, 
had studied the Bible, the Pharisees were, but consider in chapter 5 and verse number 12 what Jesus said here. Excuse me, I'm in Matthew 5. Uh, it might be Mark chapter 5. Let me check here a second. Wrong, wrong portion there. Nope, it's not it either. Um, it's not it. Sorry, folks. I don't know where it's at. Wrong portion. Bypass it. Okay, the Pharisees, though, uh, were blind leaders of the blind. They were people who were trying to teach people uh, about spiritual things, but they did not know what they were, were talking about. Now, uh, not only were the people that were religious, uh, they were blind to the truth, but they were deaf to what the Lord had to say. Go to John chapter 5 and verse number 39. John chapter 5 and verse number 39. It says, Jesus speaking here once again to the religious leaders. He says, search the scriptures. For in them ye think that ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to, to me that ye might live. You will not come to me. You know, uh, the Pharisees, they were not only blind, but they, they, uh, they couldn't see uh, the truth of the scriptures. He says, you will not come. It's a matter of their will. You know, a lot of times people don't want to come to the Lord. It's not because they don't know what it says. It, it's because they do not want to submit their will to the Lord. In John chapter 12, verse 48, Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. When a person becomes saved, God turns on the spiritual light, so to speak, that we are able to see. The Bible says in John 8, verse number 12, Jesus uh, said this, he said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. When we get saved, God turns on the light for us. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. Here Paul talks about God turning on the light for him and for Christians as a whole. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, But God hath revealed them unto us uh, by His Spirit. Now the, the things that he's talking about, he's talking about here, if you go back to verse number 9, He's talking about heaven. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Hey, we've got some great things yet awaiting. The best is yet to come. But how do we know those things? Well, he says in verse 10, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Here it's so important for us to understand that, that our God opens to us his, our understanding. The Holy Spirit teaches us. He will guide us, the Bible says, into all truth. The more that you follow the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, God will give you more light. Why should God give us more light if we're not following the light 
that we have right now. You say, well, Pastor, uh, I want God just to give, give me so much understanding. Well, the question is, are you following what you know right now? Are you, are you surrendering to his leading? Are you surrendering to the Lord and letting him guide your thoughts and guiding your path? When a person, as I said, when a person becomes saved, God turns on that light. But even though we are saved, and the Lord gives us sight so that we can see and hear spiritual things, we can allow our sight to become dim and our ears to become dull of hearing. Such was the rebuke that we saw in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11 through 14. Paul, uh, Paul was talking to those believers there. He said, you know, when for the time you ought to be teachers, teaching others about the spiritual things. He says, I, I can't teach it to you because you become dull of hearing. And you need that somebody to teach you again the principles of the oracles of God. You, we, we need to go back and teach you the basics because you don't have the basics. These believers had been saved for a while. They should have been at a point where they could have been re reproducing themselves spiritually and leading others to Christ and then discipling them in the things of God. But instead of growing, they had for, they'd gotten to a point where their growth had stopped. You know, every one of us, are, we can get to a place where our growth will stop. Uh, somebody has put it this way. If we're not growing for the Lord, we're backsliding. If we're not moving ahead for God, if we're not growing in our understanding, if we're not growing in our walk with God, we're going the opposite direction. Tonight, we're going to be looking at the topic, how's your hearing? Are your ears tuned to the voice of the Lord? Are we attentive to the voice of the Good Shepherd? When he calls, do we respond or we just kind of keep on doing our own thing? And then he has to come after us. Have your ears become dull of hearing? If so, what can we do to fix that problem? Is there any hope in that? Well, notice, if we go to that portion in Mark chapter 8, verse number 14, consider what we find there. Some truths, I think, that are important for us. Mark chapter 8, and verse, beginning with verse number 1. Mark chapter 8, beginning with verse number 1. Mark chapter 8, verse 1, it says, And in those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto, unto him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have uh, now been with me these three days and had nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting uh, to their own houses, they will be faint by the way, for diverse of them came from far. And his disciples answered him, from whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and he gave thanks, and brake, and gave it to his disciples to set before them. And they did set them before the people. And they had a few small fishes, and he blessed, and he commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat. And were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. Boy, wouldn't that have been an amazing meal? Could you imagine? We know about the five loaves and two fishes feeding 5,000. Here we have seven loaves and a few fishes, and the Lord feeds 4,000. How can God do that? 
<laughs> I don't know. That's not my department. All I know is that I've got a God who can do the impossible. I mean, I share with you that God that could do the impossible back in Jesus' days is still the same God who can do the impossible today. We have to understand, he, it wasn't like God was just back there and he could do miracles back then, but he can't do them now. I tell you, we have that same type of God today. He can, and we have not because we ask not. The Bible says in Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God wants to prove himself strong in behalf of those who walk uprightly. And so as we come down to this portion, and he said, and they that had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. And straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples and came into, into the parts of Dalmathnutha. Uh, uh, and the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, uh, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. He saith deeply, he sigheth deeply in his spirit and saith, why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them and entered into the ship again, departing to the other side. Now I want you to look at this portion beginning with verse 14. Just because we are around spiritual things does not mean that we have good hearing. Look now at verse 14. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he, Jesus, charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. Here Jesus is talking to them, as I said a moment ago, uh, with seven, uh, seven uh, loaves of, of, of uh, bread. He feeds 4,000. The disciples took up seven baskets, remained. They entered into the ship. They went across the way. And now, uh, as, they are, as they're considering this, during this time, the disciples had been with Jesus. They had heard Jesus speak. They were serving others. They were doing the things that a good, a good believer would do. However, outward performance doesn't guarantee a listening ear, or a seeing eye. Outward performance doesn't guarantee a listening ear or a seeing eye. Mark chapter 8, verse 18, look what Jesus says. And he's talking here to his disciples. Not to the Pharisees, he's talking to his disciples. Having eyes, see ye not? And having ears, hear ye not? And do ye not remember? I think it's important to understand that if I, some people think this, if I just do what is right outwardly, I must be right inwardly. I remember a, a couple of folk that were uh, at our church out in California, and, and they were sweet people. They loved the Lord. They loved the things of God. They were hard workers in the, in the church, and uh, they, they said, you know, they, they had heard and been in some of the preaching, and some of the preaching that you hear uh, from folk, they, they say this, you know what, we just, you just need to be involved with God's work all the time at church and, and just be involved all the time. Now, I think we need to have a balance. 
I think we need to realize, you know what, we need to be involved with the things of God. I think we need to be in, invested. We need to be serving God. But you can come to the point where you're neglecting your family. People say, well, you know what, uh, I've heard preachers say, just uh, bless God, I'm going to give myself to God and, 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 and uh, my family, they'll just have to understand. Well, can I tell you something? My number one responsibility outside of being saved is, to, is my wife, and then it's my children, and then it's to do the work of the Lord. If I don't do what I'm supposed to do with my family, and I lose my family because I'm so involved with other things, I, I, I'm sad to say, how can I tell you to live for God and direct your family in the right way? That's why when, when Paul talks about the, a pastor, he's supposed to rule his own house well. If you can't do that, how can you go and tell others to do it? I submit to you today as we stop and as we think about this idea about, uh, about listening, just because we're in a performance-based mindset, like I said, some preachers say, you know what, you just be at the church. Every time I want you to do something, you do that. And sometimes we have, to, we have to be walking with God and knowing what God wants us to do, and we need to have a balance in our life. Every time I say that, I always get nervous. Because you know what happens? People swing to the opposite direction, and then they don't want to do anything for God because now I'm going to put my family. Now, don't put your family first over God. We need to, have our, we need to surrender our life to God and let God direct our path. But this couple, what they had been taught in some of the churches, and part of it was this. One of the churches that they had worked at was the issue of bus ministry. And the pastor had said, you know what, you need to be out on bus ministry, and you need to go out and do all this calling out throughout the week and, and do all these type of things. And they were, I mean, they were there all the time. But their children became rebellious to the things of God. You say, well, why is that? Weren't they doing what was right? Yeah, well, bus ministry is good. But you know what, when they come up here and they tug on your, on your, your jacket and say, Dad, can you, can you spend a little time with me? Well, you know, I can't do it now. You know what, sometimes you get to that point, you never can do it anymore. Because time just goes by so quickly. I remember when our boys were growing up, and our daughter was growing up too, that, uh, that <laughs> I was going to say something, but I'm not going to. But uh, uh, when our boys were growing up and playing soccer and stuff, I would say, I'd tell my secretary, I'd say, you know what, I'm going to be at the soccer games. I'm going to be there to support them. I said, if you need to get a hold of me, that's where I'm going to be. And uh, some, of the, some of the people said, well, pastor, you know, I've got a hangnail. You should, you should be there for me. Wait a minute. Go get your clippers and clip your hangnail and put it in your, you know, take care of it. You say, pastor, that's how sometimes people are. Things that are really not that important, they make important, and they want you to stop all the things that are really important. And so uh, I wanted them, my boys to understand that they were important to me. Many times, my, there would be times when my daughter would come and she'd knock on my door and she'd, I'd be sitting here studying. Well, you say, Pastor, you know what? Studying is important. You've got to make sure everything is, is right. I, I agree. But you know what? there's times when I just need to set, a, set that aside because something is important as well. And Kimberly would need to, have, need to talk about something. I'd sit down and say, okay, come talk. Let's talk. You say, well, Pastor, you know, uh, I, I just have a different mindset. Well, 
Folks, I tell you what, I've seen a lot of broken homes over the years. I've seen it in pastors' homes where pastors have been so busy doing everything for everybody else and their family falls apart. And how sad that is as they, they say, well, you know what, I gave it all. I gave it my, my best shot. Well, folks, can I tell you something? I think God expects you to do, your, do the ministry, but you need to put your family in the right perspective too and take care of them. And this couple, is they'd, they'd been faithful. I mean, they were faithful. He was faithful in the church when he was there. But I met his kids one day. And they came, and, and before the kids came to the house, to their house, they'd asked me, he said, Pastor, would you please come to my house, uh, come to our house, our, grand, our children are coming home, and uh, we just need to have you try and straighten them out. They walk in, and they're all in the black Gothic stuff. They got all sorts of things on, these, on their clothes that were so not, not right. And I sat there and just, I wasn't going to go and start nailing them, on the, nailing them down. I wanted to find out why they turned out this way. So I started talking to them. I said, what, what's going on? Tell me about your life. Tell me where, about where you are right now. And you know, it wasn't long they started saying, you know, I'm bitter. I'm bitter about... Uh, about the things of God. They weren't even going to church. I said, so tell me, why is that? Well, when I was at home, my parents made me go to church. I said, well, you know what? My parents had me go to church too. But you know, I found encouragement. I found joy in serving the Lord. But see, what happened is when they needed time to spend with mom and dad, they never had time to talk with them. And folks, you say, well, did you have a happy ending? Were you able to turn them around? No. We're talking about years of, avoid, of, of, of uh, not giving the time that they needed to give to their family. It's not going to change overnight. What I, what I told them is this. I said, you know, uh, God's going to have to do a work. You need to pray that God would soften their heart. And you need to, be a softener, uh, to have a soft heart toward them too because they are now adults. And they don't have to do what you say. You say, well, I want them to. Well, I know you do. But you need to listen and understand something. And they said, but you know what? The preachers told me if we would just do what they wanted us to do, that God would take care of our children. I said, really? Where's that in the Bible? God says, train up a child in the way that he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. You need to do your part. And you need to trust God and believe God and work with God. Hey, God is the one that cares more about your children than you do. But you need to do things in the right way. Solomon was, in, the, in, the, in Proverbs, says, he was begging for his son, give me thine heart. We don't have the heart of our children. If our children feel like they, they can't talk to mom and dad, why in the world would, would, they want, would, would, would they be looking to God? Because folks, can I tell you something? Dads? You're a representative of God the Father. They need to hear that there's a God who loves them. There's a God who cares. And just because you have, just because you have a, you know, you're, you're performing and you're doing all the things doesn't mean that you're right on the inside. These disciples here, they were doing the service. They were doing the work. They were doing all these things. But the problem was this. Performance Christianity is not a replacement for the surrendered life to Christ. 
You say, What's the, what, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, when we have performance-based Christianity, there are some that believe this. Sad. If I just do all the do's and don't do all the don'ts, then I'm right with God. Well, that's uh, that, because that's what good Christians do. Rather, it ought to be because I have Christ in my heart, I give the rights of my life to Jesus. Lord, you love me and you died on the cross for me and I surrender the control of my life to you. Romans chapter 12, look over there with me. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. As Paul is talking here, he's begging, he's imploring these Christians here to consider these very important truths. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, metamorphosized, in other words, changed in your thinking, by the renewing of your mind. How is our mind renewed? It's by the Word of God. The more you get into the Word of God and you meditate upon the Word of God, the more that you uh, take the Word of God and you start applying it in your life, it will change your thinking. Be renewed in your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God, here I give my life. It's reasonable that I give my life to you what we ought to do and then lord i want you to be glorified in and through my life it's a desire of my life philippians 1:20 says paul says according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing i shall be ashamed but that with all boldness as always so now also christ shall be magnified in my body whether it be by life or by death i want to grow in my Christian life as well. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. I have a desire to, to, because my life is not my own, to give my life to the Lord, surrender it to the Lord. I want Jesus to be glorified in my body. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, look what it says. Chapter 3, in verse 14 of, of Ephesians, he says this, For this cause I bow my knees, Unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole world, our whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Here, Paul is talking about the fact, his desire for the Ephesian believers, that you would know the love of God, that you would know and grow in your Christian life. See, so often when you have this idea of, of well, I'm just going to, I'm going to work, uh, I, I've got this mindset as a Christian, I'm just going to work and I'm going to labor, uh, but I haven't, Developed, and I'm not developing my relationship this way. Spending time with God, surrendering to His will. Lord, here's my life. Take my life. Lord, I want to grow. 
The most important time of the day for you is the time that you spend with God. You say, well, pastor, I've got this to do and I've got this. I know all those things are important. But the most important time that you can, the most important thing you can do in your day is to spend time with God. Because, see, if you're ministering, if you're teaching a class, if you're driving bus, you're ushering, or you're serving God in some way, out of this relationship will come a fruitful relationship this way. But if this is wrong, if I'm not growing in my love and my relationship and my devotion to the Lord, then all of a sudden all I'm doing is I'm doing my duty. I'm doing what a good Christian expects. Do you remember when Martha, or when Jesus came to Martha's house, and Martha was fixing a meal, and the disciples were in there, and, and Mary, Martha's sister, was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha's just sitting there saying, wow, Lord, just, just speak, I'm listening. I just, want, I just want to hear your words. I'll tell you what, there's some preachers, when they preach, I just, I just sit back, I just enjoy it. I really do. Now, I've been around some people, they're rabbit trailing all over the place, and you can't tell where they're going to wind up. You know, they start over here in Tennessee, and they wind up in, in, in uh, Alaska someplace. Or, you know, something weird. That, you never know where they're going to go. You don't even understand where. And, and, and you say, well, Pastor, God uses all different types of people. That's true. But there's some of them that really, you just wanted to keep on preaching. You know, we got Brother Fox coming here in the month of April. I love hearing Brother Fox preach. I really do. You know, we got Brother Getch coming. Uh, this year, going to come and preach to us. I love hearing Brother Getch preach. He, I tell you, he gives the Bible. He gives the Word of God. And it helps us to get our focus and our thoughts on the right things and, uh, and not to get sidetracked. And you could sit there and listen, and this is kind of how Mary was, listening to Jesus who's the Son of God. And Martha's going around all over the place, and she's running, and she, gets, she just gets perturbed. I mean, she... Performance-based Christianity. we got to get this meal on, and it's got to get on right now. And she comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, why don't you go tell Mary that she needs to come in here and help me right now? Excuse me? Here's what Jesus said. In Luke chapter 10, verse 41 and 42, And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Oh, pastor, don't you understand on Sunday morning that the heat on is not on in the nursery? And pastor, don't you know that there's that little flusher thing in the bathroom, and that little flusher thing, it just keeps running in the bathroom, and I don't know what to do. And, you know, I don't know, the lift up that little thing, that little top there, and just kind of, or turn the little valve up. You say, Pastor, if we do that, that could be problems. I understand. You understand? There's one thing that's important. That's why when we talk about being in the house of God and teachers, we try to have, don't have the teachers be out and ministering all the time. Teachers need to hear the preaching of God's word too. You need to be in, recharged. You need to be encouraged. You need to be helped by the things of God. And the way that you are is by hearing of the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to be encouraged. God is good. He's still on the throne. Service 
with Martha was good. But one thing was necessary, and that was to listen to the Lord. That's a surrendered life. Folks, do you understand? You can be in a church where you're busy all the time. Doesn't mean your inward side is right. I've been around folk. All they do is run from one thing to another to another to another. They're miserable. They're bitter. They're angry. And they say, well, are you, are you, are you serving God? Oh, I'm serving God. I can't even think straight. Folks, it's time for us to stop and get back on track and start putting God first in our life and surrender to him. If we are not careful, we can develop a dull ear to the voice of the Lord. We can get busy helping and serving. We forget to listen to the voice of the one who desires to be listened to, and that's Jesus, that in all things he might have the preeminence. We can get used to being around church and spiritual things that we take for granted the need of having a close relationship with God. See, this, this, this time together is important to encourage one another. But can I tell you something? It's important that you spend time with God for yourself. Because it's there that you will hear the voice of God. Be still and know that I'm God. You have to have both things to be a Christian who's growing and maturing in the Lord. Or else we'll get to a point where we'll have dull of hearing. Second of all, those who are dull of hearing tend to focus on the physical or the material world. Go back there, with you, if you would, to Mark chapter 8, verse 14. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they, had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, and uh, of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, it is because we have no bread. They're thinking of, you know, he's talking about spiritual things, and they're talking about, they're thinking, the automatic click over is to, to the material things. Leaven is a picture of sin. Immediately, the disciples think, think about the material things. Jesus is talking about bread, you know, that's what he's talking about. They were thinking about eating. You know, as Baptists, we like to eat. Potlucks are good. Amen? I love potlucks. Uh, when people think of us, what is the first thing that comes to their mind? Good food? Good fun? Uh, or do they think of us as a people who love the Lord? Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The disciples were not thinking about spiritual things. They were thinking about physical things. Let me ask you, where's your thinking today? You know, it's easy to talk about the weather. It's easy to talk about politics, world events, economy, family, job, hobby, getting ahead. And there's nothing wrong with those things, talking about those things. But when they become the main focus of your life, then it's wrong. The Bible says, as we quoted a moment ago in Colossians 1.18, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Lord, you belong first place in my life. Lord, I need you to help me, to guide me. Lord, give me opportunities to witness. I was out with Brother Randy the other day, and it was encouraging and exciting to hear him witness to somebody about the Lord. Folks, you know what? That ought to be our mindset. Lord, what can, 
what, doors of opportunity. Brother Dean and, and Jeff were out soul winning on Saturday and ha got a chance to talk to a lady and, and a son who's interested in coming to the church, needing to, needing to be in the church, and we're going to follow up on that. Folks may share with you that the things of God ought to be the first primary things on our mind. When we allow these things to take first place in our hearing spiritually, job, family, and all these type of things, you know what's going to happen? Our ears are going to become dull. Someone has said, we talk about what we think about. We talk about what we think about. How much of the time that you talk with people do you, do you talk about the Lord? Notice the third thing we see here. Those who are dull of hearing have a difficulty in comprehending spiritual truths. Look back here in Mark chapter 8, verse 17. And when Jesus knew it, he's uh, talking that these, the disciples were thinking, well, you know, we don't have any bread. When Jesus knew it, he said unto them, Why reason ye, because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not, perceive ye not yet, neither understand? Have ye in your heart, uh, have ye your heart, Yet hardened, having eyes, see ye not, and having ears, hear ye not, and do ye not remember? Verse number 21, he said unto them, How is it that you do not understand? Jesus was talking to them about the bread, the word of God. You know, uh, the, word of God, uh, the word of God is sometimes referred to as bread. Bible scholars uh, take that phrase, breaking of bread, uh, in some scriptures, referring to the idea of eating, but it also refers to the word of God. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostle, uh, apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They broke this bread. This is bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. When you open this book, hey, there's something in there that's going to meet your spiritual need. This is spiritual food. Pastor, well, I, I like spiritual food. Do you like milk or do you like meat? Well, when I was a baby, I liked meat. I like milk now, but not as much as, you know, when I was a baby. When I, when I started growing up, I started liking steak and chicken and, and uh, you know, shrimp. I like, I like meat. You'd, you'd say, Pastor, it'd look kind of silly if you came out here with a big old baby bottle and started sucking on the baby bottle. You'd say, Pastor, there's something wrong with you. You know what? But there's Christians who that's exactly what they want. They only want, tell me about the love of Jesus. Uh, Jesus loves me, this I know. Don't tell me anything too hard to understand. I don't want to take that. Can I tell you something? We need the love of Jesus Christ. And we ought not to take it for granted, but I'm telling you here today, there's some meat in this word that will help you to grow and get your feet on the ground. If you don't have meat when it's time to go to battle and you're just living off of milk, you're not going to be in the battle very long because you won't have any strength. Folks, I, I'm here today to tell you that maturity comes by getting into the word of God and delving into it and taking it, taking the truths of God's word and applying it to your life that you might, uh, that you might be able to exercise between right, uh, good and evil, right and wrong. You're able to say, okay, this is what the Bible says. That's why this is wrong. Some Christians today, they can't even do that. So anything, they go with every wind of doctrine. These disciples that had been with them, they didn't perceive nor understand the spiritual truth that Jesus was trying to impart to them. Why? 
Well, in that, that word perceive means to perceive with the mind, to understand, to think on, to ponder. They didn't understand it. Why? They couldn't see the relevance of what Jesus was trying to get across. Their heart, their ears, their ears were dull. You know, those who are dull of hearing seem to be ignoring the, the, uh, the direction that the Lord has for them. They're not on the same wavelength as the Lord. Do you remember back not too long ago they were changing on TVs, they were changing from analog to digital? And you had to get one of those little boxes. Because if you didn't have one of those little boxes, uh, you wouldn't be able to get the channels. Now the, the, the actual channel itself was going to be beaming a signal, but you're not going to be able to get it. You were on a different wavelength. You know, that's where some people are with God. God's message is the same. God hasn't changed his message. People are on a different wavelength. They're not listening. Their ears are not tuned to the things of God. Those who are dull of hearing don't seem to catch the importance of what God says in his word. It's so amazing to me to, as I read through the word of God, as I try to talk to Christians, they say, huh? What? It's like they've never heard it before. Some people have been in church for years and they've never understood the truth, the simple truth. I'm thinking, where have they been? Well, can I tell you something? It's not the problem of the preacher as it is the problem of the person who's sitting there listening. Can I tell you something? If you're following the light that the Lord gives to you, he will give you more light. But if you're not following the light, you're not listening, you're not heeding to what he says, your ear will become dull to the word of God. Remember, the disciples were having this problem even up to the time when Jesus was getting ready to go back to the Father. Remember in John chapter 14, when Jesus was talking to the disciples and he was telling them, let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house for many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. And, and he goes on to, to tell Thomas... Uh, that, you know, you know the way. And Thomas says, well, Lord, we don't know whether thou goest. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And Philip asked a, a question just beyond that in verse number 8. Philip, one of his disciples says, show us the Father. Excuse me? Jesus comes and he says, have I been with you so long that you haven't caught this? Don't you understand, Philip, that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The works that I do, it's not me that's doing it, it's the Father that's in me. He's the one that's doing the works. Have, have I been with you three and a half years and you still haven't got it? It's amazing. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit came and dwelt the disciples in the time of Pentecost, that their focus and their outlook changed. You know, when the Holy Spirit of God is in control of our life, our focus and our outlook changes. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, he says, If ye then be risen with Christ, talking to believers here, you know, we believe Jesus died for our sins, we, 
you know, Paul said, I've crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried, and then he rose again. New life. And that's what he's talking about here. If we then be risen with Christ, the new life, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection, your thinking, your aim on things above and not on things of the earth. How often do we set our affection, our desires on earthly things? Our life is all hooked up in this world and this, all that's going on here. Boy, I've got to get this and got to get that. Paul says, set your affection. You have to determine that. I'm going to live for God. I want God to be glorified. I want Jesus to be more in my life. I want to surrender all to him. I want him to take care of my life. I want him to direct me. God, I want you to bless the work of my hands as I live for you. You know what we say? Lord, bless the work of my hands while I prosper and I get lots of money. That's not, that's not living for God. That's living for self. You know what? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, things that you need to get through this life, shall be added unto you. It is amazing how God will supply your need if you'll just put him first. He'll work in ways you couldn't even imagine. Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience, in which ye also, in which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all these anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which we talked about this morning, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that, uh, that created him. Verse 12, put on, therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. You ought to have mercy. You ought to have kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these, put on charity or love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwelling you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Hey, that's a life that's yielded to the Lord, that's surrendered. May I share with you that a Lord, the Lord wants us to be a, a people that are in tune with him on the same wavelength. Are you there tonight? I want you to notice the fourth thing very quickly and we're done. Becoming dull of hearing is a result of a hard heart. Of a hard heart. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, if you go back to 
to Mark chapter 8 and verse 21, Jesus talking to his disciples, and he said, verse 21, and he said unto them, how is it that you do not understand? Hard heart. You're not looking for it. You're not listening to it. The Spirit of God, God's trying to teach us, but you know what? We just have a hard heart to the things. In Hebrews chapter 5, is that not exactly what Paul was telling these people? You know, you're dull of hearing. You don't, you don't listen to the things of God. You have need of milk and not, meat of, uh, not, not uh, strong meat because you can't handle those things. You know, the same is true when our heart becomes cold and hard toward the Lord. Perhaps at one time when our heart was close to the Lord, we loved to hear His words. They were a joy and rejoicing to our heart, but then something happened. We, we became upset with the Lord because He didn't do what we wanted. Sometimes that's where people are. They prayed, they asked God to do something, and God didn't do it their way. So, you know what? I'm done with God. I don't want God to control me anymore. And when we turn a deaf ear to the Lord, our heart begins to grow colder and colder until we don't even care about the, what the Lord has to say anymore. You know, it's interesting. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, it says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. I think we're in that day right now. The love for the things of God, for many, have waxed cold. Why is that? Iniquity abounds in their life. Sins in their life, they don't want to deal with their sin. You say, Pastor, well, how do we fix that problem if that's where we are? If we have dull hearing. Well, we need God to do a work again in our life. Amen? We need God to do a work. Well, I'll just reform. I'll start coming to church all the time. Well, can I tell you something? It's not just an issue of you coming to church all the time that's going to correct that problem. You need God to do a work in your life. Turn with me to one last portion. Go to Revelation chapter number 2. Revelation chapter 2. And look at Revelation chapter 2 for a second. Here is a church called Ephesus. Oh, they were... They were a performance-based group, if you would, performance-based Christianity. They were doing all the do's and not doing all the don'ts. In chapter 2, verse number 1, it says, Under the angel, the angelos, the messenger, the preacher, if you would, the, the pastor of the church of Ephesus, write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his hand, talking of Jesus, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know thy works. God knows the works of you and me and thy labor god knows our labor and thy patience and thou and the, how thou canst not bear them which are evil boy i'll tell you what this church at ephesus they didn't put up with any shenanigans they didn't put up with any sin i mean they could spot it in a moment i mean they had a real sharp keen uh, ability to point out that and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars. Boy, I'll tell you what, when people came in and they said, you know, we're apostles, and they could just take the scripture, and they could just, the, just say, okay, now, what about this, and what about this, and what about this, and boy, they could prove that these people were not who they claimed to be. And has borne, and has had patience. You kept on keeping on. 
and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Well, that all sounds really good. Boy, I mean, they're just keeping with the stuff. But I want you to see the next verse. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Well, who's our first love? The Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, I mean, they had all the things down. I mean, they had the doctrine right. They knew all the things. They had heard all the stories. They knew all the stories, and they were serving, and they were doing all these things. But they left their first love. You know, I think it's important for us to understand as we look here what the Lord tells, us, tells them to do. They left their first love. He says in verse number 5, that they needed to re- we need to remember where we used to be. When you first got saved, we need to go back to that. Look at verse 5. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. We need to remember when we first got saved. Do you remember when you first got saved? Did you know all the Bible? <laughs> what did you know? Jesus loves you. Amen. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. I just love Jesus. I'm so thankful that he loved me and died for me on the cross. That's all, that's what I know. We need to remember that. We need never to forget that. Because it's the love of Christ that constrains us. It's God's love for us that ought to be the motivation for us to serve and to live for him. But folks, if we're not careful, we'll just serve without the love of Christ. When people come into our church, And I'm so glad that that you folk have a a tender heart toward people when they come in. The people, it doesn't matter how they're dressed. It doesn't matter what, you know, what the life that they've had. When they come in, they are still a person who needs a Savior, who needs to walk with God. And we need to realize that and understand that, that that Savior who loved us and gave himself for us is the same Savior that those people need to hear about. Some people are just going through difficult hard times. They're so wrapped up in sin, you don't even know where to start to try to uncoil all that. But I'm here today to tell you there is a Savior that can help them. Jesus can change all of that and make that all new. He says, remember from where you're fallen. Then notice the second thing. They needed to repent. And repent. Repent. Folks, when we get our, our ear is dull of hearing and our heart is hard because of sin in our life, what do we need to do? We need to repent. People today don't want to hear about repentance. That means to have a change of mind, a change of direction. It's not that we're just going to continue to keep going this direction because this is what I like to do. We need to say to ourselves, no, this is wrong. I'm going to change and I'm going to start going the direction that the Lord wants me to go. I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to obey his voice. No matter what the cost. That's what they needed to do. Well, they had all the right doctrine. Oh, folks, don't you understand? They weren't surrendered to the Lord. They were thinking and justifying themselves that they were right with God when their heart wasn't right with God. Folks, you know what revival is? Is when God's people... Come to the place where we take our heart and our life and we lay it upon the altar and say, God, search me. Try me. Lord, 
I can't even, I don't even know my own heart. You need to investigate my life. Lord, please. I want to be clean. I want you to show me if there's anything in my life that's displeasing to you. Please, Lord, show it to me that I might get it out of my life, that you might have control over every area of my life. Because until you do that, folks, we're not surrendered. And we'll try to do like they did. Try to justify our works, our life. But notice the third thing. We find it in verse 5 also. And do. And do the first works. The first works. You say, Pastor, they were already doing works. Oh, no, no, no. Stop and think about what he's saying here. Do your first works. Do your first works. I'm going to see if I can help you with this a little bit. A little illustration. I know I'm going a little bit over, but... That's okay. Brother Eric, would you please come and help me for just a moment? Oh, that's okay. I'll get Dalen. Dalen and, and Amanda. They're close. Yes, I need Amanda too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, me. You can stand right there in front. Okay. Look at each other. You can look at each other. Yeah, no, you look at each other. You don't have to look at me. Okay. Oh, does it bring back some memories? Uh-oh. Now, remember when you saw her, how did you, what did you think? Oh, you thought she was beautiful. What did you, what did you, did you say anything to that effect? You did. Did you say it quite often? Um, did, did, did you, did you uh, like being with her? Okay. You liked hearing her voice, didn't you? you? You would compliment her probably too, right? Okay. Amanda, when you saw him, what did you think? You didn't think the same thing. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I should have had a different couple to do this. <laughs> Woo! Okay, so in other words, he had to grow on her a little bit over time. Okay, whoa, this is getting kind of hot in here. <laughs> okay, so you didn't think that the, the way the first, the first time. Okay, so, so what did you think about him? He was weird. He was weird. See, he's trying to be nice and everything. And you know this is on the internet, so all your friends know this. Amen. Amen. This, this, is, this is recorded. But you know what? One of the things about that, over time, though, things changed, didn't they? And you started, as you started having a relationship, you found that there was some other, there were some qualities other than the weirdness. What were the qualities that you liked in him? Patient, yeah, I can see he needed to be patient with me. <laughs> kind of weird, you know. Exactly, exactly. Had to be patient, and uh, you liked being in. After a period of time, you liked to be in his presence, didn't you? He wasn't so bad. You kind of, you kind of, kind of got over the rough parts and wasn't so bad. And it was kind of, it was nice. And probably, maybe even you liked to uh, be with him more than you liked to be with other guys. Yeah. Okay. You like to get phone calls. Because those were sweet things to your ears. Now, tonight we're going to have marriage counseling right after this, so I can get this straightened back on track here. <laughs> uh, he's patient. Remember, you're patient, brother. It hasn't changed any. You've gotten to know her more, and it's... Uh, thank you very much. You maybe sit down before we get any more in trouble. Amen. You're honest. Exactly, Amanda. I'm telling you, you always, you always say what's, what's honest. 
And uh, you know, when my wife and I, when we were uh, when we were dating, one of the things that we enjoyed I enjoyed getting phone calls from her. I enjoyed being around a place when she was a receptionist. I'd like to go and just sit there and just kind of be where she was. Just wanted to hear her voice. When other guys would come around, I'd get kind of, you know, we weren't even engaged or anything. And she said, well, what are you getting all uptight about? It? You're in my zone. Get out of here. <laughs> One guy, he used to know that I, he used to, he was the night watchman at the school. And I'd be sitting there talking with Tawny, and he'd come up. He'd like to get my goat all the time. Because you know what? He'd like to start talking to Tawny and, and start carrying on a conversation. He's buttoning into my time. <laughs> I didn't appreciate that. But you know what? What the Lord was trying to tell this church at Ephesus to do is this. Remember those first sweet times? When you loved spending time with the Lord, you weren't doing this. I've got only got 15 minutes. I'm going to put it on my watch. I, I'm, I'm done with my, my. I'm done with it now. I'm done. I can go off. I'm, I'm, I've, I've done my part, folks. There's times that we just need to take this off and take off our cell phone and turn it off and say, Lord, you know what? I'm just going to spend some time with you. I just want to read your word. I want to just share my heart. I just want to get back to those early times because those are times that are sweet. Folks, those are the times. That's what we need to do in order to have a heart that's tender once again. See, this church at Ephesus, Jesus was kind and merciful. He's warning them. Hey, you better get back and do these first things because he goes on to say, notice what he says. And do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of thy place, except thou repent. He says, you know what? I'll just take your candlestick out. In other words, I'll snuff your life, your light out. It's not about the works that you do. It's about the God you love. It's about the God you serve. See, our service should be out of our love for our God. Out of, a, out of a, a, a desire to just please him in all that we do. You know, I can say, you know, you ought to do your best for the Lord. And people, if you, don't have, if you haven't surrendered your life to God, I can guarantee you what this will do. If I say you ought to do your best for the Lord, people will say this, I am doing my best. No, you've got pride in your heart. And the bottom line issue, the bottom line issue is, if you had a love for Jesus, you'd be saying, you're right, preacher. I need to do my best for the Lord because he did so much for me. See, it changes all of the Christian life and service when we get the right perspective. Tonight, let me ask you, how's your hearing? Are you on the same wavelength with the Lord? Are you needing to work on your hearing? I don't know about you, I need to work on my hearing. Sometimes I'm not picking up quite the message that he wants me to, to, to hear. He's telling me something, and sometimes I say, no, I'm not listening, Lord. Your pastor, you? Yeah. Because you know why? I'm human. And if you say, well, pastor, you should never do that. You're absolutely right. But if I shouldn't, guess what? 
Neither should you. Because it's the principle that apl applies to me applies to you too. And I pray tonight as we stop and as we think about our life, I pray that our hearing is in tune with God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that we would yield our life to you. That we would ask ourselves, how is our hearing? Are we listening to your voice? Lord, help us not to have ears that are dull of hearing, that can't see spiritual things. Lord, we need you to open our hearts. Lord, just inspect all of us, and Lord, help us to walk with you. God, I pray this evening that your spirit would lead and guide us. And Lord, if there's one without Jesus Christ, I pray they'd come and ask Jesus to be their Savior tonight. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Right now where they're at, they can ask Jesus Christ to come into their heart. They can believe that they're a sinner, as your word says. They need a Savior. There's only one. It's Jesus. And they can ask him to be their Savior tonight and cleanse them from their sin and to walk in newness of life.